0: Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, redefining success, which is a personal perennial favorite of mine. Oxford languages define success in starkly simple terms, the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. I also like this one I found from the Berkeley Wellbeing Institute. Success is reaching your goals. Success is learning something new. Success is overcoming fear. So if that's what success is, why don't we all feel massively successful? Here to help me redefine success is Layla Spitani, who is a beloved TV host, media coach, and teacher with one of the best workshops in New York City that I highly recommend, as well as offering both in-person and virtual coaching. Layla's TV credits would take up the whole episode, so highlights that I'll share include Entertainment Tonight, Full Frontal Fashion, which I loved back in the day, FYE for E, and most recently, Sit Down with the Stars for Regal Cinemas. Welcome to the podcast, Layla. This is so long
1: overdue. I know. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. I adore you. And I love, love, love this podcast that you've created. So congratulations.
0: Oh, thank you. And back at you. I, you know, so we can just have a mutual admiration society while we dive right in. So right away, I do want to ask what made you pick and want to discuss redefining success today?
1: Well, this one is deeply personal to me, and I felt that it would also be beneficial to discuss it with your listeners, because I recently was at a family gathering, and one of my cousins, who I love and adore so much, we were talking about my career and my work and just what I've been doing, and she said, oh, it never really happened for you, did it? And I felt like I got punched in the gut in that moment. I just felt like the decades of work that I had done, my resume that's a mile long, like it all meant nothing. Like nothing (laughs) in that moment. And this is not the first time a well-meaning family member has said something like that. You know, They say this, and this is why, and I can explain this pretty well in my perspective of this. For people that don't work in our industry, in the entertainment industry, success means you're famous. You gotta be famous to have success and sure, fine. So if I'm not famous, then I didn't make it in their eyes and they don't really understand all of the wonderful extraordinary opportunities and jobs and success I have had. Um, so for a long, long time, I used to let that deeply affect me. And I would go into a bit of a rut and feel sorry for myself and hold myself and cry because I wasn't Kelly Rippa. <laughs> right? God bless her, there's only one of her, we all want her job. Um, but that's really unfair to myself because it's not celebrating all the wins. And I've had so many wins and I've had a great career and I'm at a place in my life. And believe me, it took me a long time to get here and change my perspective to realize, yes, I have had a very successful career. I have a successful career. And now when I get people who say, oh, we're just still helping you book that big job, I can say, change their perspective, correct them and redefine it for them as well as for me. And then I can really feel proud of where I'm at and how far I've come.
0: Wow. Okay. Bravo, you. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful just for all the vulnerability and honesty there, because I don't think there's anyone listening who did not need to hear that today. So huge. Thank you. I always love to point out to people and why this is one of my favorite uh, topics is you would never turn to someone and say, I'm so sorry. It didn't work out for you as a dentist. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It, you know, it didn't work out for you. At Dunder Mifflin or whatever that is, so I, I, I'm with you, and I just really want to pause and not, and not make light because. And so I just want to go clearly already go, to ha- to be able to make a living in this industry, whether you're an you know an actor, a host on camera, behind the camera, whatever you're doing to make a living in this industry. To me, by its own you know definition, is success then we were going to go deep It just, to, you know, pursuing your dreams is, is a form of success, but I want to ask you right away though. So what is the moment, if you can remember, you know, it was a Wednesday, it was raining. I don't know where you actually started to reclaim this for
1: yourself. And how did you do that? I'll be honest with you, Barbara, it, it really was recent years. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like I've been living this for my entire life. It really was post pandemic. Mm. When I really started, it probably has so many different layers and reasons, but I started really doing a life review for myself. Age probably is a big factor in that also. Um, of just
0: looking at wisdom from your lived experience. I so do want to validate much. that for a sec. You know, I mean so we much. we laugh that off as women, but really like, you know, hold that one close too. You earned it.
1: Yes. And I think it's important we talk about age at some point, too, in this discussion, because women especially, I think we do really start to come into our own and stand in our own truth and feel such a sense of power and identity over 40. I feel my best self over 40. I really do. Um, but for so many years as a young girl working in an industry that is really challenging to work in, and there's a lot of things that you can focus on that will get you down, I really did keep like trying to like reach that next level, get that big job. Even though I had so many big jobs, I was always looking for the one that was going to be like the one. And... It really wasn't until like post pandemic when things started to get quiet and I was doing this life review that I started looking back at all of these accomplishments and I'm like, oh my God, I did that? That's amazing. I I was so young when I got that job. I can't, you know, I just started appreciating myself and celebrating myself for all of the wins. I really did. And so now um, I've really started correcting people and explaining to them how amazing it is that I have lived in New York City, all of my adult life, have never had a survival job and have done what I love to do in an industry that is so hard and challenging to sustain a career in. And so I recor- I correct them and I celebrate myself now for that. And so I'm really proud of it. But yes, recent years, I would say just within the past few years. And to be fair, I want to add also one thing to the famous thing that I meant to um, also add to that because so many clients of mine, and I'm sure yours as well, want to be famous. That's also another thing because I have friends who got famous from shows and then never got another show again, (laughs) you know? So they got the fame and they got the win, but then you have to hold on to that and get other people to hire you and try to hold on to that fame and continue. And a lot of them didn't and never really worked again in the industry. So, you know, it's just, it's all perspective. And that's why I think redefining success is so important for anyone looking to break into such a challenging industry to look at and really examine. Okay, I, I've got to keep
0: so much in my head right now to remember to come back to the uh, 1,001 valuable things you just said. But one of the things off the bat with with the notion of being famous, which by the way, I, I completely understand. I mean, I think that is actually, um, A core human need, you know, when that gets boiled down to, you know, like surviving, you know, when we were in tribal clans and clusters, you know, tens of thousands of years ago. I mean, like status actually is hardwired into us, but that gets also into this notion of, and I do work through this with clients, of conflating validation with success and fame, like because the pursuit of fame in its own way is a need for some kind of collective love and validation and the need to be seen. So that is, and so it's important sometimes to actually have an honest conversation with ourselves. And I've seen a lot of people, um, put too much energy in trying to get an agent, let's say, and agents are extremely important, but if, if you haven't done all the other stuff and if you're not ready and you're not uh, marketable and you're not hireable, an agent is not an employment agency. It's not. They're just not going to make up jobs for you. And so all that energy spent there instead of, let's say, uh, training with you or me and, and working on marketing and developing relationships and learning how to audition and all the things that make you um, employable, then what it gets into is you feel the agent's going to validate you that like you have somehow arrived or you deserve to be in the business or it's some external factor often that makes you feel worthwhile. And I understand that actually, I'm not trying to diminish that and it gets around the esteem. So you got to figure out ways, and I want to ask you how you've done this, of, of you know, buoying yourself up, of holding on to your esteem, because it is it is hard when you're going, you know, for jobs and you're not getting them or shows end, and to your point, but it, there is a really big distinction between the validation factor of wanting to be famous. And also, what does that mean? And what does it do for you once you get there? And then this actually taps into, as I'm just having the biggest waffle on of ever because um, Marky Costello really spoke about this on a recent episode is, are you prepared for that? Because then what's your, and then what?
1: Yeah, that's a very important point to make. Yes, definitely. And then what? And I can, I, I look, clearly I'm not famous, but I've worked with a lot of famous people and I have famous friends and I see the enormous weight that can come with that for sure. So, you know, looking back as I've done my life review now that I've been like reviewing and looking at where I'm at and what I've done, I'm not sure necessarily I would have wanted that. I mean, you know, I'm lucky that I have a fantastic family I've created. I have a husband and two children and we get to take vacations and go to the supermarket and have a somewhat normal life. And when you have that type of fame, it's like all of that gets thrown out the window. Right. Um, So I think I really got to have the best of both worlds, like living in that world of fame because I was interviewing so many celebrities and being in that world at the parties and all of whatnot. And being able to come home and just cuddle my kids and just have a normal, average mom life with my boys, you know. So mm. I think that there's some value in that too.
0: So I want to ask, what is your script? Because I think this comes up for a lot of people. What 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 do you say? What is the script? Like, what do you say when you know a well-meaning relative or someone says something that is very hurtful in terms of like you know judging your success or, or their perception of that? In the history? how do you reframe that conversation?
1: Well, it's something very new that I've just started doing, (laughs) but um, I have said, I have had extraordinary success in my life. I have been so blessed. I have been working professionally since I was still in college, which is the absolute truth. I I got my first, I got three really big life-changing jobs when I was still in school as a student at University of Miami. And I sustained that for well over 20 years of having just a really spectacular career that took me all over the world and meeting countless celebrities and just having all of this fun, amazing opportunities. I've been very successful on camera. My life is changing now because for lots of reasons, you know, I, this, I've, Probably going a little bit longer than I said to my cousin, but I am getting more into the media co- media coaching thing now because, of course, my age <laughs> and the industry has changed, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So that you and I came from the era of the golden age of TV hosting when it was just it was everywhere and there was so much. It was like I was turning down jobs; so many jobs were coming my way. But I've pivoted into the media training and media coaching world because that's what I know and that's what I do. And thankfully, I'm able to pivot into that and have success on the other side of the camera as well.
0: I'm right there with you. And it's a big part of my coaching. And I, I'm presuming it's something you bring to is you cannot separate your being from your doing. And many people, when we come into the um, to the media training, communication, public speaking side, see it as, a, as simply a doing activity. And, and the big shift for a lot of people in the eye-opener is the the being that you have to bring into it, why it is a coaching process and why you often, uh, we might have to review, you know, traumatic things that have happened in the past, even just being embarrassed on stage or whatever those things are that may have held you back or why you feel you're not an effective communicator or, 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 or leader. So um, segue, I do want to talk about the changes in the industry. Okay. And yeah, and I want to start out with two, because- even though you say your coaching is as a focus of your business more recently, you were the first person I always recommended to anybody for um, red carpet coaching. And you were the first person to really define that as an expertise. Cause again, people think like that's easy. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like going into the middle of Times Square on New Year's Eve with a microphone and talk to people (sighs) and maintain your focus. I mean, because what you see on camera is not at all what the actual environment is like.
1: Oh yeah, totally. The dueling microphones on the red carpet. Everyone trying to get the sound bite,
0: <laughs> and just just the idea of working through chaos, which is I don't work well in chaos to begin yeah. with. So it's like having been behind the scenes in those situations. I was like, done that, town executive. Um, you can go next time. I don't need to go ever again. <laughs> and um, so it's you know, bravo to you. And it just again, it's a fun thing we can joke about. But for people listening who don't know, and we love watching our red carpet arrivals during award season. It is just. Oh my God, I need six weeks on a beach just even thinking about it. But so again, I digress as I always do. So I did, you know, what are your perceptions of, you know, what was the business like, you know, when you started and where do you see it now? Which is the world's broadest question. I apologize.
1: (laughs) That's okay. Um, (laughs) Well, like I said, you and I were In it right kind of in its heyday, but something that may surprise you is I didn't set out to do TV hosting it was not something I was pursuing whatsoever so this goes back to what I was saying everything kind of happens for a reason and we get led places that maybe are unexpected. Um, I was a theater major in a performing arts high school, and I was a theater major in college. And I had always planned to move to New York City and pursue the stage. I had no plans. I didn't even think about TV hosting. It was not even a blip on my radar. Um, But I decided to um, get an agent. I was going to University of Miami at the time in the 90s. Wow, that sounds like 150 years ago there was it was really hot as far as production goes down there there was a lot 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 happening and i wanted a taste of it even though i was in a conservatory program that was very strict and they didn't recommend us doing anything outside of the theater i was a little rebel and i did anyway and i went and i got an agent and i started going in auditions and i started booking stuff and i just loved it i was booking like music videos and commercials and infomercials and just all kinds of things. And I was auditioning for a commercial and the director, it had a, a long script, a lot of copy and he loved the way I handled it. And he said, wow, you really handled that well. I'm actually hosting, I mean, hiring a TV host for another project, would you like to read for it? I was like, sure. And I read it, he loved it. He hired me for the commercial and he hired me for the hosting job. And so when I finished college, I ended up putting a TV hosting reel together just for fun. I was moving to New York. And at that time, I was like, I'll take anything that's not a waitressing job. I'll host, I'll do commercials, I'll do theater, I'll act, whatever. And so I put this hosting reel together. And Mark Turner, who you also have had the pleasure to interview, you know him very well. Anyway, I was working with somebody else who said, oh, you should submit this to Mark Turner. He's great. He's starting the hosting department. So I did. And he loved it. He definitely saw I was a little bit green. I didn't have a lot of hosting experience, but he really liked it. And the very first TV hosting job he sent me on, I booked and I was like very nude in New York City. And that was a show that was called um, Studio Y, which was a teen talk show that lasted about three years on the Metro channels and everything just kept snowballing from there. So I kept but I'm an actress, I'm auditioning for this, I'm doing that. But the TV hosting jobs just kept pouring into my life, like almost effortlessly. And I hate to say that because I work with so much extraordinary talent who would kill for half of the jobs that I was so lucky to get. But it's honestly, that's my story. I did not think that that was where my career was gonna go. It just was like something bigger than me was taking me where I needed to be. And I fought it for a while because I didn't think that's what I was supposed to be doing. I kept thinking I needed to get back to the acting. And the acting was there and it was still coming and I was booking things, just not nearly as much as the TV hosting. And I was making so much money and I was traveling the world. I went to Munich for a job. I went to Scotland. I went to Paris. I went like everywhere. It was just, it was a really just extraordinary Extraordinary time. And so I just finally just said, you know what? I'm just going to release myself to whatever the universe has planned for me. Clearly, this is it. You know, after Studio Y, I worked for E, I worked for Entertainment Tonight, all of these really great opportunities, style, full frontal fashion, all of that. Um, so there was a plan and I went that way. So, um, yeah, I think I totally went off on what the original question was, but I thought it was important to point out that it wasn't the goal at first. And I think an important lesson that I learned, which may be a really good lesson for your listeners as well, is I had to get rid of that kind of rigid career plan that I had for myself. And realize that if I would just let go of that and open myself up to unexpected opportunities, wonderful things can happen. And that's exactly what happened. I had to stop being so rigid and holding on to what I thought the idea was and open the floodgates to all this great opportunity. And all these wonderful things came into my life. So. Well,
0: that's a giant lesson is letting go
1: of results.
0: Yes. (laughs) Which is one of the hardest things for all of us to do. So that's giant. What do you think has made you a good host? Like, what are those attributes?
1: Well, I do think that there is some bit, and you can tell me if you agree as a casting director and coach yourself, I think there is something to be said for a bit of natural talent for some people, you know, and somehow it did come a bit natural for me. But I did have also a terrific professor in college who taught an acting for the camera class. And she covered everything in that class. Judy Wallace. She was wonderful. Uh, I lo- I learned TV commercials. I learned, you know, soap operas. Remember soap operas? <laughs> loved, loved. But she was the first that actually introduced me to the world of TV hosting. And she had us doing TV hosting in her class. And it just kind of came natural for me. And it was fun. And I really enjoyed it. Um, so I, I think there was a bit of natural talent and I think a lot of encouragement from that professor at university of Miami, Judy Wallace, who really kind of helped me discover and tap in to something I didn't really know that I would, would be good at. Mm.
0: Well, I was gonna say, I mean, to me, one of the, um, most important attributes is curiosity and, and which maybe goes under the heading of natural talent because you're just interested in things. So you're engaged and you're showing up. And so there's an outgoingness and it doesn't mean you have to be big, it's just you're interested. And even so your body language and your voice and your energy reflects that. Um, So I, I think that that is tremendously important, but I'm really curious since we both teach, it's like, so when you're explaining that to others, like because now that's where we take that and attach that to technique.
1: I love that you say that you kind of, you approach it in kind of a holistic way, like I do as well as a whole person, because Mm -hmm. of course I teach on base. I mean, I teach the basic on-camera technique, building your brand and creating content, all those fun. I love doing all that stuff. It's so much fun, but I also look to see what's holding you back from truly just jumping off the cliff, I had a great teacher, acting teacher used to say that, and I love that saying, just jump off the cliff and take a risk and just be seen. And I can see, I work with all different type of people and whether it's executives or politicians or celebrities or just, you know, TV hosts, just starting out. There's something that happens when the camera turns on that we feel more seen Mm -hmm. than ever before. And it makes you feel so vulnerable and scared. And it brings up a lot of issues for people. And I love to dig in there and Mm -hmm. really try to find out what are those blocks from your past that are holding you back. Let's figure it out. Let's dig them up. Let's take the charge out of it. And this can be terrifying for some people Mm -hmm. and for some very just exciting, liberating and wonderful. So some people just aren't ready and that's fine. But then the ones that are, and then really allow themselves to go there. I do my best, you know, being that I come from the world of working on camera, I understand all the terror, the nerves, the fear. I love to hold just a safe space for them to really be seen, really be heard, know that they can try things, take a risk, and I'm gonna be there to pick them up, help them, guide them, coach them, and make sure they're okay. So if they really allow themselves to go to that place and do the work, some really wonderful things happen. And that's my favorite part of coaching. And I love when they get it and we just have like the end of a session and they're like, oh my God, that was amazing. Thank you so much. I feel like so much better. And it's just the best feeling. And as you know, and everyone knows, there's so much crap out there online that we can just like mind numb and like sit there forever and scroll and whatever. So if you can really uncover something in a person that they can like, let themselves be seen, make some content that's important, that has an impact that's changing people's lives. That's just so extraordinary. And I just love to dig in there and see what we can find.
0: Oh, that was beautifully said. And that's it in a nutshell. I mean, you just explained it all. I love it. I'm now I'm just going to quote you. It's just going to be what Layla said. That's it. <laughs> that is it.
1: I work with a lot of doctors and lawyers and they're like, I have to sound very professional and I'm always trying to get them to sound more relatable. Right? And oh, like, wait. But- I love that you just
0: said that Can, because I'm really into this. The, the concept for people that professional and relatable and warm and approachable are all the same thing. Yeah. there's There's no contradiction in there.
1: Right. Exactly. And I think like we were talking about industry trends and how they've changed so much in recent years. And that's the thing. If you want to really make an impact and connect to people on camera, you have to be like really seen you have to have this warm relatable thing that's drawing us in that makes us want to watch you because we can see through the bs now like we've lived long enough and we have enough content out there that you know between all the social media all of the docu-series reality tv and all that stuff we crave real stuff We're done with the talking heads. We're done with the polished everything, the scripted everything. So it's so refreshing for us. I say a lot to my clients that I work with, what's going to make me stop scrolling and stop on what you have to say? How are you going to hook me in? And it has to happen in seconds. So if you're just scripting and like talking head, Mr. I'm professional talking about all this professional facts, 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 pass, (laughs) pass, <laughs> speak my language, relate to me, make me feel seen like that you're representing me and that you can help me in a way that you're saying something that makes sense, that relates to my world. And all this complex language that you're talking about is not relatable. So that's a lot of stuff that we try to unpack with my experts and getting them to kind of shake out of these old ideas. And you may have heard, I say a lot in all of my coaching and classes, it's about connection, not perfection. And Mm. everybody wants to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And nobody's perfect. I always say nobody is perfect. We hate perfect because it's unattainable. Nobody wants to look at perfect, but we do want you to connect to us, connect me, make me feel like you're talking to me, seeing me speaking my language, making an impact on my life. That's better than perfection nobody wants that so if you're really connecting to yourself to who you're talking to and to the content that you're creating for yourself that's what it's all about that's what's going to make it really stand out and be memorable and be different that's it We're done. No, I'm kidding. Uh,
0: No, but that was so beautiful. I mean, that really is it, Layla. We are um, so simpatico on this. Out of curiosity, now do you think ever about exploring acting again?
1: It's funny because I was listening to you and Sean, uh, one of your podcasts, you two did together and how he has started acting kind of midlife, right? Like it wasn't something he was doing. And I'm like, that's really inspiring because Mm -hmm. I do still, I don't like put it, I, I, actually just auditioned for something recently, a play. It's not like I don't do it, but it's something that I don't put nearly as much energy into as my on-camera stuff. But yeah, totally. So if anyone out there is listening and wants to hire me, I'm available. (laughs) No, yeah, definitely. I still love it. It's always been my first love. It's just, it's a little more challenging when you have children that live at home And so, you know, I also made a lot of career changes and choices when they were born as far as I used to travel all the time for my TV hosting work. And I had to really reconsider that too. It kind of changes the jobs you're going to take. So like theater performances and rehearsals are a lot, very time consuming. So I have to kind of think about that as well as I have a husband who travels half of the year. So that's another reason why I have to be available for my kids as well
0: you know, I want to circle back. That's actually a really nice way to come back to this in terms of the redefining success and, and including into that conversation, how you want to live your life and what a successful life means to you, not simply a successful career. Um, because I, similar to you, when I was starting out, and I was in TV production before I just grasped onto hosting and creating the hosting department at VH1, it was I looked around and I knew in terms of what my life goals were. I wanted to marry and have children, and being a producer didn't seem conducive to that because I was traveling all the time and you'd be on sets and it was so fun and I'm so grateful for that time in my life. But I knew that I didn't, you know, I couldn't do jobs that would take me away for six weeks, thirteen weeks. All that kind of thing so that is still to this day a very real conversation I have with people: is what kind of life do you want because to let's say to cover politics which is amazing right but you have to realize that when that's in season what is it like to be on the road with candidates and, and if you and if that works for you that's awesome if you need for any number of reasons child care elder care your own health reasons any number of reasons why you need a job where you stay put and then it's like, look in those places, create opportunities yeah. in those places, um, develop relationships around, you know, people who hire in, in those kinds of jobs, or that's also where so much of the remote digital is great. So that is a really important part of this conversation is how do you define a successful life, not just a successful career?
1: Yeah. I would love to add to that if you don't mind, because please do. As I was doing my life review in recent years, which is very valuable, everyone should do it. I had a memory that I think I forgot, like for the longest time, when I was a teenager in high school and my mom had a friend over and my mom's like, oh, my daughter's an actress. She wants to, you know, pursue the stage and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, you'll never do that. You'll end up being a wife and a a mother. You'll never do that. And I just felt this sense of like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. And I I carried that in the back of my head for so long. And I didn't realize until recent years when it came back to me that every man I dated, I always told them my career is my first priority. Just know that right away. Everything is about my career, this, this, and this, right? Um, and even when I was pregnant with my first child, I wanted to make sure, and it took me forever to finally pull the trigger and do that too, because I was terrified that I was going to ruin my career, by the way. Um, But when I finally did do it, I worked with a modeling agency called Expecting Models. I'm not sure if they're still around, but they were great when I was pregnant with both my boys um, so that I could still work while I was pregnant. And then the great thing is, is they represent your baby when the baby is born too. So I did all of these really fun jobs with my babies. I did Parents Magazine and American Baby and just off Pampers shoot, like all this fun stuff. So I was like, look, I'm doing it all. Like I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I'm still working in the business. I was so proud of myself. And I was on TV the entire second pregnancy for TV land, which was awesome. I'm so glad they let me keep working literally up until three days before my second child was born. But then after they were born, I was like, I don't know if I can really travel because they're little and they need me. But I I had this really great opportunity come along where I had the opportunity to go to Sydney, Paris. Did we go to one more city? Let's see, Sydney, Paris, and then Chicago. And I would be on the road for 17 days. And that would mean 17 days not seeing my son, who was two and a half years old at the time. And I'm like, ah, I can do it. I can do this. What my husband travels all the time away from him. He'll, I'll be fine. Oh my God. Like two days in Barbara. I was <laughs> like crying in the hotel room. I missed him so much. It was the hardest thing. And I was like, okay, game face, like, you know professional, go on the set and just go on the set and you're fine. You're fine. So I didn't realize how hard that would be because I was so determined to have it all. Um, to be fair, 17 days is a very, very long time. Most jobs would be like, you know, three days to a week, but it was a challenge, (laughs) but I made it. I never left. (laughs) I managed to finish the job. I got good feedback for the job, but it was hard. So yes, I think you can have it all. You can have the career and you can have the family, but you just, you have to figure out a way, like you were saying, to find that balance and to make it work for you that it can be successful both, you know, in your career and at home and what's going to keep you a whole person and not go crazy. Yeah. What's going to make you thrive. Mm Mm-hmm. There's so much more pressure, I think, put on women that work in this industry, especially on women everywhere, let's be honest, but even more so in this industry, and especially for the ones that work on camera, because A, age, right? Let's be honest. There's a certain age that they just want you to go away and never be seen again. They don't want you. There's very few opportunities for women to work on camera over 40. Um, So when you see it, it's like, I applaud it.
0: The other thing I want to go back to because you sent me a fun clip from your YouTube's that YouTube's what I mean like what what year am I in? Um, sorry, but um, I'm just dipsy doodle today. Was I really want to go back because you did this great video about handling haters.
1: Yes. And uh, yes, interesting story, which involves you funny enough, dear Barbara. <laughs> so back in your VH1 days, you were hiring for a job and Mark submitted me for one of the jobs and you had a conversation with him. Do you remember this at all? I don't know. If no, you when
0: you, when you brought this up and I did want to point out earlier, even was like, I, because I was doing that at VH1 in the nineties, I can't remember not knowing you as a host. Really? Yeah. That's
1: it's like, so a, you're, I've always known who you are. Oh, wow. Okay. So maybe this was the first time, I don't know. It's been a long time clearly. And maybe it was the first time you submitted me. I don't know. But um, somebody who el- also was trying to get the job told you that I was just a party girl, not a professional, yada, 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 trying to bash my reputation. And Mark went crazy. He's like, are you kidding me? Because I've had nothing but positive feedback from all the jobs I've done for how professional and work ethic is so important to me, Barbara, I can't even tell you. So that was like, what? It was like, it could not be further from the truth. I'm not sure why he decided to do that, I can guess. Um, and talking to other people I worked with at this job, he was one of the my producers at um, Metro Channels, the, sh- the show that I was working on in Studio Y, but he really wanted to work on camera. And he put himself on camera in as many segments as he possibly could, because that's really what he wanted to do. So I think he was just trying to take away some of the competition by bashing me so you wouldn't bring me in. That's the only thing I can guess, but who knows what his real reasoning was. But um, I'm not sure if you brought me in or not. I can't even remember if you brought me in for that particular job. But luckily, I had a great agent, and he totally went to bat for me and defended me. And, you know, I'm not... You tell me as a casting director perspective, like, I let it go. I moved on. I recognize that that's who he is. I'm not sure how it looked in your eyes for him to be bashing me that way, if you even remember whatsoever, but... Like, what do you think? What are your perspectives on that? Do you take seriously that kind of stuff when people are kind of gossipy and like dishing about talent that are going to come into your office? I love this question.
0: I can talk about this for a while about um, how uh, it's such a competitive world and talent trying to undermine other talent to get the job. And so I will come back to your exact question, but overall, I have witnessed so much in my day And I can't even remember at this point if I even wrote about this in my book, but I do talk about it often in classes just to be aware of. So one, going back to your thing is you do really wanna protect your reputation as much as you can because you can't protect everything. But so it is the point, it's like, have a strong work ethic. Professional is like being on time, being prepared, um, treating the people you work with with respect. So be professional. And so what happens is I've seen, I see wild things happen when we did auditions you know, in person for years and years and years. And so I would go into the ladies room and, you know, you would just to hear like the gossipy stuff that would go on when people didn't know who I was or to, you know, undermine each other, like tell somebody false information about what was happening in the audition and what we're looking for. You know, really like planting seeds of doubt. So I've witnessed many, many attempts to do that. And then on the male side, it was a different type of competition where they would try to like outplay each other. It's just really wild. Like stuff would go on. So you really, to your point, yes, I've witnessed. So now when we get into somebody, other talent calling and saying something to me. So to me, that goes under the label of um, wildly unprofessional. So one of the things you try to... um, you know, look at is like, you know, where is this coming from? Can we, it's like a journalist. Can I verify this information? Mm-hmm. Is this information relevant to me?
1: Yeah. So I'm really lucky that, so Mark is an extraordinary person. He's a great agent. And can you believe he's been my agent since like day one? (laughs) Like nobody works with an agent for decades like I've worked with Mark Turner. It's really phenomenal.
0: He does have at least some other clients that I adore that the same story that he's nurtured from the beginning and they've had tremendous success together.
1: Yeah, so I'm just I'm really lucky to have somebody who took a personal interest in me and really believed in me, even when there were times that I was doubting myself. He really has been a cheerleader and Mm -hmm. a friend. I mean, our professional we have such mutual respect for each other and what we do. But it's also grown into a really meaningful friendship as well. He's one of my dearest friends. So I'm really lucky to have him have my back in all senses. And so I'm glad even all those years ago. He protected me, you know, Mm -hmm. he protected me because he knew it was absolutely ludicrous. It was just not true. He just, he knew that. Well, it's
0: also on me. If I get that kind of thing, it's like, I I, I have relationships with the agents. I think that they need to know that if someone's going around saying stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. And believe me, he knew who this guy was. And he was trying to get Mark to sign him as a talent. He couldn't even get in the door because Mark would never ever see him because of what he said. It totally damaged his reputation with Mark and with my agency of what he did.
0: Well, we can circle back now fully to the woo-woo in terms of like what you put out there, focus on you and your awesome and your craft and, and making a positive impact on the world. If your MO is to take down others in order to move forward, it will come back to you.
1: Oh, definitely. I agree 100%. We you have may, to support you may each have other.
0: Sh- yeah. You can have short-term fame, which goes back to that part of the conversation. If you want to be famous... First of all, you got to define what that means to you, because um, you can be insta famous pretty instantly these days. Uh huh. And then what? Yeah. Right. It's you know you danced down the the aisle at your wedding and you were insta famous and did it. You know, it, for some people that could be like super fun and you'll dine out on it forever. But it's like, does that change your career? Does being famous make you more like what does that get you? You need you know people who've done it well. It's because they really had a long term plan and they understood. I'm I'm doing this and I'm launching that and I'm, and I'm going to build on X, Y, Z. If you need to tear somebody down to, to build yourself up, it may work in the short term, but it will not create a sustainable career. I agree. Well, that was fun. Any other words of wisdom? <laughs> this has been so much fun. I feel like people are just kind of like listening in on a very private conversation. <laughs>
1: You know what's so funny? I don't know if this is going to make your final edit, but I have to throw this out there because I swear that I auditioned for you. Did you originally start looking for a host when you were doing Queer Eye? I swear I auditioned for Queer Eye as a host. There
0: there was a host. There was a host in the original, not um, even in the pilot, but there was a, a host in the, you know, sizzle reel before we call them sizzle reels and just to give everybody context what happened was there was a host and her job was to hand out the dossier to the fab five to, expl- to set up the episode and that so that's where that began and so you would have auditioned from that and then eventually that role you know was taken away and this actually gets into a bigger broader conversation as we start to see um, the role of host change and to the point of we stop having hosts because we only have so many minutes to tell a story. And by the way, this is just coming to my head. Part of this has to do with too is we started adding more commercial time. So we had shorter ep- actual episodes. So where are we gonna trim? Where are we gonna trim? Where are we gonna trim? And how can we tell the story? And we got rid of having people explain stuff. It became less expository, and the action had to explain it. And the opening of that show. Had to explain what's happening, so that's why we're, they were in the the car, or you know, in the minivan,
1: right? You know, the, whatever. It's just so funny because I remember that audition so well. It was uh, just a really fun audition. I believe Sean was Sean T. Simone, your assistant at the time.
0: Yes, he that was his first job with me. Was working on Queer Eye. I
1: which just another it's... fun
0: story because he called. He sent me a cold letter, and I read it, and I loved his letter. and We met for coffee, and I was like, "Okay, come work with me."
1: That's so awesome. Yeah, I just had a very vivid memory of that. I don't know if you were just always and have always been a great casting director. You really do make the talent feel super comfortable. You're so great at giving direction. I always loved when I got the call to come audition for, for you. So thank you for what you do.
0: Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that feedback. And I have to say You know, maybe somehow in the world it will finally all circle back because there is a part of me that will forever miss the glory days of the mid late 90s into the early 2000s, you know, and the real explosion of cable TV, when there was just so much opportunity for hosts, and it was just so much fun. Oh, but thank you again for that feedback. That was great. You, I hope you will come back. This was like really super duper fun. I know you just um, did a cycle of classes here, but do you have anything coming up that the audience should know about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm doing, I do multiple classes throughout the year with Actors Connection in New York City. I just started doing in person again, not too long ago after a long time of only doing online. How was that? Right. I do also virtual as well. I do. Most of my work comes in through working with people one-on-one. So that's the majority of my coaching. So if anyone is interested in coaching, you can reach out to me for private one-on-one coaching, but I also do classes. I probably do about six a year with Actors Connection in person. And then the virtual stuff, I can still work with my clients, like you were saying, that are all over the world and do that for the one-on-one. So it's kind of the best of uh, both worlds. In a nutshell, tell me what your class is about, only because
0: I want people to understand that every, I think everybody should take everybody's hosting classes because everybody has different insights and specialties and it's not a one size fits all whatsoever. And there is so much to be learned from everyone. So can you give me a little bit about like, you know, you know what's the like the Sputani way? I will. (laughs) And I
1: agree with you. And I always recommend you as well. And I think that everybody should get different perspectives. And what's great is I'm an on-camera talent. You're a casting director. It's like different perspectives and different years of experiences and things to share, right? Right. Um, So in my classes, my group classes, I do three different ones that I offer. One is an intro to TV hosting class, which it now has so many slashes, I can't even keep up. So now I call it intro to TV hosting slash unscripted slash personal branding, because really TV hosting is just a tiny, tiny little pocket of everything that I teach and I cover. I could probably add about three more slashes to that, but it's basically just kind of discovering where you fit in. In, on, on camera, in the media, what it is you're looking to do, discovering your brand, learning how to create content, learning how to film yourself or create social media videos or audition. We kind of cover it all in the intro class. Um, and then I do a level two with Mark Turner, who we've just been speaking of, who um, has so much expertise to offer as an agent all of his years working in the business. So it's a great, and we work very well together because I have the on-camera perspective and he has the agent's perspective. So we do panel type talk shows, interviews, how to pitch a TV show, all the same things from my first one, which is auditioning, building your brand, learning how to pitch yourself to an agent, learning how to pitch yourself. There's really kind of like nothing we don't cover. We kind of just cover it all. Um, And then I do, which I hope to get you on my panel one of these days, we do a TV hosting slash unscripted slash personal branding weekend (laughs) where I have a whole panel of guests with casting directors, talent executives, and agents. And my class gets to pitch themselves and or show ideas to this incredible panel and get just really, really valuable feedback. So that's been a lot of fun. And it's two full days they get to prepare to pitch themselves and it's something that the feedback has been extraordinary from the p- participants in the class who really just got so much from it. So it's fun. There's a lot I kind of cover it all with all the classes I do with actors connection. There's a lot. Sign up people, I tell you this will be
0: a weekend well spent and um keep me on your list cuz I would love to do this.
1: Oh, I will for sure, for sure. Thank you. And I want to thank
0: you all for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating. It's much appreciated and it really does help. If you're interested in media training or help with career strategies, please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com. And be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera.